Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. Thank you, Jesus. I just felt this morning to, to do things a little differently. I had some things on my heart that I just wanted to share that I felt that God was speaking to me. And it has to do with affection. I was listening to um, I was listening to Michael Kulianos, and he was sharing. He shared a word that was interesting to me. He said that sometimes we come to God and we're looking for direction when God is looking for affection. Sometimes we're looking. We're coming to God because we need to hear clearly from Him for our lives. We we come. And we need answers. We need solutions. We need restoration. We need God to do a work in our lives. And many times God is looking for simple affection. He's looking for a hug, looking for us to put our head on his chest. How many of you, your kids have ever treated you like a drive through You know, mom, I need this, dad. Can I have a couple of these? Dad, I need to borrow 20 bucks. You know, Dad, I need this. And, and uh, <laughs> But let me tell you, the moments that you cherish as a parent are not the moments that your kids treat you like a drive-thru. They come and they're always going to need things. Kids always need things. We always need things. But the moments that I cherish, cherish with my kids were those times that they... They, we were just sitting together on the couch and they laid their head on my chest and they said, Dad, I love you. Just melt your heart, you know? And I know grandkids are just gonna be rip my heart out kind of deal, you know? Because your kids are great, but your, your grandkids are grand. I mean, you know, it goes from good to great or to grand, and then it goes to great, doesn't it? It's kind of the progression. Kids are good, but kids are great. Anyway, and I feel like this morning, I feel like this is the Father, that when we come in these times of worship and we come and, and we have these moments, that sometimes God's not, God's not focused necessarily on, on what, what do you need, but sometimes He's wanting our affection just for us to come and just say, God, I don't need anything. I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate what you're doing in my life. How much I love you, Dad. I'm so grateful. Occasionally, my wife will um, step up next to me and she'll, and she'll hold my hand. And, and it's happened before where she said, I miss you. And I go, it's been too long. You know, we've, we've had a busy season of life. We've had a lot going on. We've had different things that we've been dealing with. And I know when she says, I miss you, that means it's been too long. And so I say that to say, when was the last time that you were intimate with the Father? That you just, you came to Him and said, God, 
I just want you to know how much I love you, how much I appreciate what you're doing in my life. God, to look back and to see all the blessings that you've given me, all the things that you've done for me, the way that you've taken care of our family. Lord, the fact that I'm breathing right now is a miracle. I mean, the fact that, that, I, that I can get up in the morning and look out and see the sun shining is a miracle and that the planet's rotating and that it hasn't even rotated off of axis yet. God, you're amazing. The way you hold this whole thing together. The Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. It didn't say to enter his gates with your first request and then by the time you get to the courts, have your big request ready. You know? Because my Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, Matthew 6, chapter 6 is amazing because it talks about all of the needs on the planet. It talks about the birds and it talks about the birds have needs. They need to be able to find worms. They need to be able to find uh, the things that they need to make a nest, to build a home for their family and to meet their needs. And here, here are the birds. God takes care of them. And how much more valuable are you than a bird? I mean, God created this whole thing for you. This is a lot of elbow room. <laughs> and our God is good. He's good. But I wonder sometimes if he isn't short on affection, needing us to be affectionate like my wife did. Let me read a scripture to you. I read this scripture and I thought this is so interesting. It's in Psalms 14, verse 2. In Psalms first, four, uh, chapter 14, verse 2, it says, The Lord looks down in love, bending over heaven's balcony, looking over all of Adam's sons and daughters. He's looking to see if there is anyone who acts wisely, any who are searching for God and wanting to please Him. That seems like, that seems like He is looking over the balcony, just waiting for moments that He can have affection with His children. My kids, um, my kids are now in their 20s, they're 23 and 25. And so we have a different relationship than we did, you know, when they were babies, you know, and they need everything. You have, a, you have an amazing relationship with your kids when they're that young, but as they get older, your relationship changes. And so we're at a level now where we're, where we're friends. But I remember when they were growing through their preteens and, and then their teens, and we had always promised our kids that we would take them to Disney World on our 20th anniversary. Because Nicole and I, that was where I took Nicole for our honeymoon. And the reason I did was because she had been everywhere else. Literally. She had traveled the world with her family and ministry. And I had a difficult time picking a place. And when I found out she hadn't been to Disney World, I thought, well, that's kind of, that's cool. I mean, you know, you get a honeymoon and fun things to do all in one. And so we went. And so we didn't want to take our kids when they were young because we just didn't feel like we wanted to have that rip your hair out experience at Disney World. You know, we wanted to have a different experience. And so leading up to going to Disney World, both of our kids were giving us opportunities, weren't they? Um, where we, we had, we were just saying to each other, give me a reason to say yes. Give me something I can say yes to. You know, because it just felt like they kept coming to us and it was, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't have that. No, not right now. No, no, no. And as a parent, 
you get tired of saying no. I, I see some nods, so that's encouraging to me. And so I, I was, I, you know, we were like, and then we realized for Disney World, going on our 20th anniversary, and it was our anniversary, but we wanted to make it a fun trip for them. And so we gave them the budget and said, you guys pick everything. Pick the hotel. Pick what we're going to do every day. You guys pick the restaurant where we're going to eat. I mean, we did the meal package. This is what we bought. So these are your perimeters. You guys pick everything. And do you know, we just had the absolute best time. Now, my kids didn't ask me to do that for them. We chose to ask them to let them pick the whole thing. And I'm telling you, it was a blast. It, we, we still look back on that vacation with fondness. That, that was probably our, one of our best vacations we ever had, if not the best. And we got to say yes all week. You want ice cream at 2 in the morning? Let's go get some. I mean, we said yes all week long. And I believe that God is wanting to say yes this morning. But you notice in Matthew 6.33, going back to Matthew chapter 6, all through that chapter, it didn't say anything about us coming to God with our laundry list, with our list, our Santa Claus list. This is what I want this year, God. These are all the things I'm asking you for this. I want one of these, one of these, one of these. I'd like, I'd like, uh, I'd like a, a good looking girlfriend. If you're looking for a wife, Lord, I'd like an amazing wife. You know, whatever it is, I'd like an amazing husband. Whatever it is, Matthew chapter 6 at the end says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. So I don't have to go and seek the things. If I seek him and I seek first his kingdom and I set my affections on him, set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. It, you know, there's all kinds of temptations to set your affections on, right? I mean, there's all kinds of cool vehicles they keep coming out with. There's all kinds of cool tech and gear and different things that you can set your heart on, but we're not supposed to set our affection on those things. We're supposed to set our affection on Him. And then this is what happens. He adds those things to you. Both Nicole and I were at places in our lives when um, she had dated this guy and they had gotten engaged. How long were you engaged? A year? Ten months? Nine months. Nine months she was engaged to this loser. But anyway, she was engaged to this guy. And no, he was a great guy. <laughs> and, and she wouldn't have picked him if he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't. But anyway, so she was dating this guy. And, and it was, it just came to a point where she realized this is not the man that God had for me, that God had someone better for her. And she said, I, I'm going to, I'm going to break this off. So she broke it off. And she was done. That was hard, wasn't it? It was very hard. And I was in Tulsa at the time. She's in Phoenix, Arizona. And that's where this guy was. She literally had to get on a plane to fly out of town when she broke up with him to get, just get away from him. He camped out on her doorstep and different, anyway. But he went away. He finally got the clue and went away. And, and so I was in Tulsa. A few months later, I'm in Tulsa. And her sister had was in Tulsa going to attending Oral Roberts University. And my best friend at the time, he was the audio guy at Oral Roberts Maybe Center and they started dating. 
And he said, Phil, I have found this amazing woman that I'm dating, and she, she's incredible. He said, I, you need to meet her. And so he started telling me a little bit about her. And he told me about her dad, that her dad is a pastor. She's, I can't believe she's a pastor's kid. He said, she, her dad pastors in Phoenix, Arizona. And I said, wait a minute, Phoenix? I said, what's his name? And she, he said, her name is Camwin Bartlett. I said, I know Camwin Bartlett. And I thought, anyway, and it's, it's Nicole's sister. So anyway, so I met her. So now I'm trying to get Nicole's address so that I can write her a, a letter because this is, there is no social media in 1991. Those of you that were there alive back then, there's no, no way to contact other than the United States Postal Service. And that was what, and so anyway, so I'm trying to get Nicole's address. They wouldn't give me her address. Finally, I blackmailed somebody and got her address and it is listed in Oral Roberts handbook, all the students, their home address. So I was able to get the address and I wrote her a letter. Well, at that time I was at the point, this is the point of my story. Sorry, that was a lot of filler, but here's the point is I was at a place in my life where I was done. I had dated my last problem child, you know, situation. I didn't want, I said, God, I'm done. I'm done, done, done. I am putting you first place. Well, newsflash, that's where he should have been. First place, right? And I said, God, I'm so sorry. I literally had tears in my eyes. I'm so sorry. I will not allow anything to come in front of you moving forward. I'm making you first place. And, and Nicole was at the same place. And the reason I brought up the, you know, that getting her address was, her sister wouldn't give me her address because she had come out of this terrible relationship. So she didn't know if she wanted somebody like me writing her. Well, of course she did. Anyway, look what God did. And so here's my point, is that when we put God in first place, when we set our affection on Him, then He adds to us that spouse. God added to me an amazing spouse. And do you know what else? He added the things that I needed to fulfill his call for my life. But I had to put myself in a, in a, in a position of seeking him first. Amen. Can I get an amen? So God might be saying this morning, I miss you. Is he? own heart he might be saying that saying hey listen I miss you I miss I miss it when we are able to get together and just love on each other just wrap our arms around each other and just spend some time just embracing one another God wants to do that with us he loves us so much so when was the last time you were intimate with him some people say you know all I want is to just be loved that's that's what God wants I just want to be loved. God wants to be loved, right? He's looking to share these intimate moments with us. So turn in your Bibles over to, to Psalms 32. I want to read another scripture to you. We heard recently about a, a couple, got word about a couple that we know that the wife was saying uh, that she said, I, I, I don't know if my husband is still attracted to me. I don't know if he still finds me attractive. And I just, and I thought, well, 
why is that going on? And they, she didn't want to give any more information. She just said, I, I, I'm just getting signs that my husband's not attracted to me. What, how is that? Well, because he's not showing affection. He's not showing affection. Psalm 32, verse 9. I love this verse. This is the Lord speaking. The Lord is saying, I will stay close, verse 8, I will stay close to you, instructing you and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as a guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you have not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, just come with him. <laughs> come on. How many of us, sometimes God has to drag us? And if God has to drag us and we don't go willingly, will we receive what he wants to give to us? What he wants to do in our life? God wants to take us somewhere. He wants to take you somewhere that you've never been. Aren't you glad about that? I'm all about going places I've never been before. If we see roads, sometimes my wife and I, if we see roads we've never been down, we'll drive down that road just so we can see what's down there. So don't make him drag you. So this is good. When we get into these moments, when we get into what we had this morning, just open your arms and say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission right now. I give you permission to take me where you want to take me to do what you want to do in my life. Let me read another scripture to you. This is in Psalm 51. Look at verse 16. Psalm 51, verse 16. Some people get a little nervous about deserving things. You know, uh, sometimes people try to be righteous and, and God has given it to us as a gift. He's made us righteous through the blood of Jesus. But listen to this verse in Psalm 51. It says, for the source of our pleasure is not in my, sorry, the source of your pleasure is not in my performance. Now, aren't you glad about that? I don't have to perform well to get God <laughs> to do something. Or the sacrifices that I might offer to you, the fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I humbly bow down before you. God accepts you as you are. He accepts you when you come to the cross and you humble yourself and you get down on your knees and, see, and you say, God, fix me, help me. Lord, I, I give you my heart right now. He accepts you as that, as, as that. But here's the cool thing is that when we come to the cross and when we're willing to allow him to work on our lives, then guess what? You, you don't stay the same at the cross. The cross changes you. It improves you. It changes you into what you can be. Man, the better you. I my son, the other day, he made this powerful statement and I just wrote it down. I thought it was so good. He said, help me be the me you see. Help me be the me you see. Psalm 16, verse 2, listen to this verse. It says, any good thing you find in me has come from you. So, but here's the good news is that we can transform. God will transform our lives into who he needs us to be. Transformation happens when you put your face in God's word. And then he begins to teach you who you really are. How often do you press in? in the Word of God. 
You know, sometimes we can get caught up in reading a Bible reading plan that we forget to ask God to speak to our hearts. We're just trying to check it off. I did it. I'm just trying to read through the Bible in a year. I've done that many times, but, but now what I'm doing is I'm reading the Bible until God speaks to my heart. And I don't, sometimes it may be five chapters, sometimes it may be 15, but I read until God begins to speak to me and I begin to write stuff down. I begin to journal it. And it transforms my thinking. It's transformed my thinking about election results, about what's going on in our society with riots, what's going on in the news. I love what God is doing in me through reading the Psalms. He has me reading the Psalms and it's amazing how it is so pictorial of everything that we're going through and it's giving the answers. I don't know about you, I love answers. <laughs> I love something that I can take and say, God, thank you. Thank you. I was so challenged last week when we showed David Barton and he, and he put up all of these headlines. He said, which you'll probably see these headlines sometime in the coming years. And, and they were different headlines like immigration, like same-sex marriage and all these different headlines. And David challenged all of us. He said, do you have a scripture for every one of these headlines? Do you have a biblical explanation to the people that you're around for these headlines? That was a paradigm shift for many of us to begin to take the word of God and find ways that you can communicate using the word instead of your own opinion because everybody has an, a belly button, right? Everybody has an opinion, right? So, so I wanna give you this and I felt to share this scripture. If you turn over to Psalm 32, we're gonna read several verses and then I'm gonna wrap up and we're gonna, we're gonna worship just a little more. Man, I'm so great. I'm so glad God is here, aren't you? Man, <clears throat> there are two things that hold people back from intimacy with God. The first thing is sin. Obvious, that's an obvious one. But here's the good news is that you can get rid of sin very quickly. We can repent. We can come boldly before the throne of grace, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in 1 John, we can confess our sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the good, the good thing about that is, is I didn't see a time frame on that anywhere. I didn't say God say, well, in a couple weeks, when I get over being mad at you, I'll, I'll forgive you. No, he forgives you right then. And so it's a blessing. The second thing is this. It, the second thing is self-inflicted. It's guilt, condemnation, and shame. Guilt, condemnation, and shame. And guilt, condemnation, and shame comes from not fully believing that God has forgiven you. He forgave you. He let it go. The Bible says that he throws sin as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. And and. Sometimes people have to have a revelation of that, an understanding so that we can let go of past things. So I want to read this verse to you in Psalm 32. Look at this. This is so interesting. And then I'll explain where this verse came from, how it was written, when it was written. Ready? In Psalm 32, uh, verse 1, it says this, How happy and fulfilled are those whose rebellion has been forgiven, those whose sins are covered by blood. How blessed and relieved are those who have confessed their corruption to God, for he wipes the slate clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. 
My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing me to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. Pain never let up. Your hand, for, for your hand of conviction was heavy upon my heart. Now, conviction is a very good thing. It's a very good thing for the Christian. And it go, he goes on to say, My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions. And you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed me, uh, was washed away. And all my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned, verse, verse 6, through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time. Look at your neighbor. Say that. Do it every time. God has, do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll be kept safe. Now, David wrote this psalm, and he wrote this psalm after he took uh, the wife of his most trusted, loyal soldier, and then he killed him to cover up the pregnancy, trying to hide the pregnancy. And this sin with Bathsheba brought irrepressible anguish and misery on David. But yet he found complete forgiveness in God. He found complete forgiveness in God. Now that Hebrew word forgiven, in the Hebrew it means lifted off. See, we weren't designed to carry sin. We weren't designed to carry the weight of shame, guilt, condemnation. That's why Jesus came and paid the price. But let me sit, let me tell you the other thing that I see in the body of Christ that's that's concerning. Whenever whenever somebody gets born again, whenever somebody commits their life to Jesus, all of a sudden the enemy tries to bring fear that you're not perfect, you're never going to be perfect, and how in the world are you going to live as a Christian? And so I've even noticed that uh, Christians don't want to tell worldly people that they're a Christian because they don't want to be held up to that standard. Or they don't want to be criticized if, if they're having difficulty walking it through. And so here's my point to telling you this, is that this is why Jesus died. I met with a guy yesterday and he said, Phil, I'm just concerned. You know, I've gotten on the train and and what if I get derailed? I said, well, it's real simple. He said, how do you mean? I said, you get back on. You get back on. I was bucked off of a horse one time and, uh, well, she scraped me off of her back. She was a runaway, and I didn't have a lot of horse experience, so I didn't know how to stop her. So I was just pulling the reins back as hard as I could, and she was, just had her neck down, and she was full. I'd never run that fast on her, and we had galloped pretty good, but I, and uh, she was my horse, and, and so I thought, I thought, in hindsight, I should have just jumped off and let her go, but I didn't. And I held on for all I was worth. And she saw these two trees that were right next to each other. And she just went right underneath them and swept me off. I fell on the gravel road and I broke both of my arms, had a concussion. I didn't realize it. 
at the time. And so I broke this arm, I broke this wrist. So I had a cast on from, you know, the wrist down. Those were the old kind of casts that they had to saw off of you, where they made out of clay and stuff. And so I had that one on here. Let me tell you, I was the number one tetherball guy, man. I, nobody could beat me. And then this one, I had a cast from my wrist all the way up my arm. And so I couldn't talk on the phone because this one was too thick. I couldn't hold on to the big phones back then. And this one, I couldn't even bend to get, I couldn't scratch anything with this one. And so anyway, so I had, I had these broken arms. But let me tell you what I did when I got back home. Somebody put a saddle on this girl for me because I'm getting back on this horse. I'm getting back on the, why? Because you don't want this horse to know that you're afraid. Because that had put some fear in me. You know, she, I found out just exactly how powerful she was, but she needed to know how non-scared I am, how determined I am that you're my horse and I'm gonna ride you. And we're gonna have a ball together if we can get along. You know, and it was fun. It was fun to still get to ride her. But here's my point, is when you miss it, get back on. Well, God doesn't want to talk to me right now. Yes, he does. You're wrong. You're wrong. God wants you. He is, he is the first one extending his hand saying, come on, shake that one off. Come on, dust yourself off. Get back in the wagon. Get back on the train. Get back in right fellowship quickly. Don't pause. Don't wait. It's not that Christians are perfect. It's that we are humble, that we have learned how to come before God and say, God, I give you my heart. It's what I have. I don't, I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be, but it's greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I'm not trying to be Phil. I'm trying to be who God has designed me to be. And by his grace, his grace has empowered me to become that. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Jesus, so David uses also the Hebrew word to describe sins. He uses three different words. He uses rebellion, sin, corruption. Interesting thing about that word corruption, it means the twisting of right standards. What standards is he talking about? Right here, his word. These are the right standards for us to live. That's why I don't get concerned and I haven't been concerned. You know, if I, I don't watch a lot of news, I gotta be honest with you, I don't turn it on. But what I do is I turn it on to read the ticker tape because what I've found is that the ticker tape gives you like the very briefest version of what's going on. And it's great because I can just grab that and I don't care. I don't wanna hear commentary. I don't wanna hear your opinion. I don't wanna hear anything else. Just give me what I need to pray for. What do I need to pray for? And so I watch this, just me. But when I watch, when I get that, then I go back here and I say, God, this is the report on whatever news channel, but God, I know that your report overrides every other report. I thank you, Lord, that in Daniel's day, you caused him to rise up and to prosper in the midst of oppression, in the midst of, you know, a, of a bad situation. So 1 Peter 1 verse 16 says, God is saying, be holy as I am holy. Would God ask you to do something that wasn't possible to do? Would he? Be holy as I am holy. Some would say that's impossible. You can't do that. You can't never sin. Well, you can't 
if you've never died to sin. But we have died to sin. Think about Galatians 2.20 for a second. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. What is he talking about that you've been crucified with with Christ? Your old man before you gave your life to the Lord. Now, I, I notice I, I said you gave your life to the Lord. Notice I didn't say that you came to the altar and you prayed a prayer. There is not a magical prayer that saves people. It's, it's giving our lives to Him, and then He comes and dwells on the inside of us. See, there's a transformation that happens on the inside. And then as we read his word, our mind is transformed and our mind then catches up with our spirit. Aren't you glad about that? You remember over in Romans six, it says, consider yourself dead to sin. If you're worried about sinning, then that means that you have not considered yourself dead to sin yet. We need to consider ourselves dead to sin. We need to take his word at face value and realize, God, Romans 6 says, I need to consider myself dead to sin. So, Father, I do that right now. I thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, Phil, are you saying that you've never sinned? No, but let me tell you, I I do a whole lot better now than I used to. I mean, God has, it's been amazing what God has done. The closer I grow to him, the more his desire becomes my desire and the more I don't have any desire for anything else other than the Father's light being able to shine through me. And I'm telling you, in the day and the time, go ahead and stand with me. In the day and the time that we are living in, we need to be more solid, more uh, established in who God has created us to be in what we believe in our relationship with him. And so I, I just want to encourage you this morning. Uh, this, this message is, is intended to be encouragement for you, that you would realize that, you know what? God forgave me. And if I mess up, if I, make it, if I, if I miss it big, I need to get right back on the train. I need to not throw the bathwater, the baby out with the bathwater. I need to not think to myself, well, God is asking us to do the impossible. No, he's not. No, he's not. But he has empowered you by his grace. Flesh is not something that we try to harness. Flesh is something that we crucify. We crucify flesh. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.